Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, joined by Kyle McKelvey. Today on the podcast, we're recapping all the action from the 12th weekend of college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. Kyle, how are you on this beautiful Tuesday evening? Once again, a, a day behind with our scheduled release, but it's the life of new parents, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. And I'm I'm still a little bit congested because of my daughter going to daycare and getting sick, so getting us sick. So apologies, but that's that's the life. That's how that's what we got to do. Literally moments before I hopped on to this call, uh, my kiddo had his first laugh. So that was that was a pretty cute, Aww. pretty cute little moment. He's got one of those kind of throaty guttural laughs, which I think is great whenever a baby does that, because it, you never expect that noise to come out of a baby. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you video it at least? Uh, my wife is is trying to get a video at, as we speak. Um <laughs> But so uh, you, have, you know what? If you have to, if you have to, like, run away for a second to to go hear it, that's understandable. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet that she's she's gonna be able to capture it on video because it's a pretty uh, intermittent thing already. Oh, speaking of betting, Ooh, transition, <laughs> transition. Ah, did college baseball's betting scandal get bigger? We talked about last week on the podcast, Brad Bohannon getting fired. Over the weekend, two Iowa players, or was it four Iowa players, were suspended for possible betting. Iowa State opened up an investigation in their athletes. I know Iowa State doesn't have a baseball team, so it's probably literally the only time we're ever going to talk about Iowa State on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> are, are, what are we seeing here? Well, what's going on with all of these athletes? Last I heard, it was 26 current student athletes from just Iowa. I'm assuming a similar number from Iowa State also. So it's, yeah, it's just players starting to bet because betting is now illegal in those states. Like Iowa has, is one of the, one of the states that has opened up a sports book in like legal betting uh, in the last few years. I think it was 2018 when that came through, when the federal ban came down. So yeah, Iowa's got, the state of Iowa's got a problem and maybe we're going to see some, some more of that coming up here soon. It's uh it's definitely strange. Basically, the rule is that student athletes just can't bet on anything that, like any sport, yeah, that any, the NCAA any sport, has a championship for. Any sport at any level. So that means like the local yeah. little league game. You can't go to the under the bleacher <laughs> bookie and put five bucks on the the little league Yankees versus the little league Red Sox. <laughs> I think you probably could. <laughs> yeah, but if you get caught, bam, yeah, lose your true. eligibility. And also, you—it's like a—it's pretty low if you if you're going to bed at like local little league games. Hopefully, there's no college students who are that level of de- degenerates when it comes to betting already. Right. Maybe <laughs> now they'll have to be though, right? Because <laughs> they can't <laughs> bet on anything else. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely imagine some compliance officers losing their jobs over this. So we'll see what the fallout ends up being. But uh, I was—I mean, I was and Alabama are both in the hunt for the postseason. I was in, in the hunt for an at-large bid out of the Big Ten. Obviously, they can still win the automatic bid. Alabama is fighting to stay in the uh, the pecking order within the SEC. A lot of teams in the West at 11-13. So these are like any sort of punishments for these schools for Iowa or Alabama. It's relevant for sure in terms of what's happening this year with the postseason. Not for Iowa State, though. Not for Iowa State, State will not be making the postseason unless their club baseball team is going to get. <laughs> it's true. 
That's true. If they have one, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk games. Let's talk our top story. Really? Our top story. Yeah. SEC road teams did not have good vacations. They did. They didn't have good road trips. No. Definitely Four, not. Four teams in the top five of the college baseball top 50 lost their road series. Uh, and I want to start off with the one at the top because LSU traveled to Auburn, dropped that series. Auburn now has won back-to-back series against the top five opponents last week in taking a series against South Carolina. Auburn has moved itself into a much better position. What's wrong with LSU? I think a big part of it is the rest of the pitching staff behind Paul Skeens. Uh, the, the the SEC anybody not named Skeens yeah, go home. The SEC broadcast put this up like right when Christian Little had a bad like a bad pitch or a bad inning or something in, the, in that game three. Game uh, three. I don't know if of... you caught this. It was the Auburn batted around before they're yeah, like oh, the ninth the ninth hitter of the game was the first out of the game for auburn they had six runs on the Jeez. board uh, yeah <laughs> it took all the way until the number nine hole before lsu finally got out in game three but the, so paul Skeens is five and one in the year with a 222 era and just sdc play um he's got 16.8 strikeouts per nine innings which is really good <laughs> he's got 1.7 walks per nine innings so those are stats that you you love to see from your from your ace what you don't love to see is uh, a 7.15 ERA from the rest of the pitching staff in SEC play, only 9.7 strikeouts per nine, so just a little over one per inning, uh, and then also 5.8 walks per nine innings. That is that is a, a big jump, and so it seems like walks and then not getting key strikeouts, like getting having the ball get in play, just lead to more runs and yeah it's, it's i a- love how after all of those terrible stats though the rest of the staff is still 11 and 5 which just shows I you know. that win loss is such a bs <laughs> statistics because uh yeah it's you can win 11 <laughs> get 11 decisions for your starting pitching uh in the in the positive column even though you have a 7.15 era when you have also one of the most prolific offenses in the country so definitely yes. offense is carrying them behind schemes Remember at one point in the season when we when we found out that they were averaging a run rule every game, like runs allowed <laughs> versus runs scored? It's a far yeah. cry from that. Far cry from that. Maybe the, uh, I mean, definitely some injuries on the LSU staff. And uh, we're, I think I, I saw someone make this comment online. Like, we could say that basically about every team. And like, definitely the injury bug hit certain teams worse than the others. And we could talk about South Carolina and their own injury issues, but they did get swept at Kentucky. And at the end of the day, like you got to win with the guys who are healthy and no one really cares who you beat in March. It's who you beat in May and June. So uh, let's transition now to talk a little bit about South Carolina. Now, uh, getting swept on the road at Kentucky and they are uh, dropping in our top 50 quite substantially. Anything you want to add about South Carolina's terrible, no good, awful weekend? <laughs> Not as much as 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 uh, LSU's, but yeah, that, that was, I mean, it's no fun when you get swept, but Kentucky will take advantage of of some missed opportunities there. I think there, there are a few walks a few too many walks issued by south carolina and i think there are a few errors too and just kentucky just is that kind of team to take advantage of it uh of, of mistakes like they, they they have been skid on a skid the last few weeks yeah i would uh, say the, the series in a row 
the ratio of positive to negative things that we've said about Kentucky, it's probably like five negative for every one positive yeah. thing. <laughs> I would say the one positive thing we said, I think last week on the podcast was all it takes is one good weekend, right? One good weekend in yeah. Kentucky is not only, you know, back on track for making the tournament back on track. Like I think when we make our next uh, field of 64 projection, we're going to have to really seriously consider Kentucky. And just like my gut right now, having not looked into it is Kentucky should host if the season ended today. And I think we might yeah. be able to start filling out some, you know, future wins for them that might make it so that they're they're going to host maybe no matter what, you know, that as long as they don't get swept in their last couple of weeks. So Kentucky, we we had some skepticism we've talked about on the podcast <laughs> before. Any Kentucky fan left still listening to us despite all of our anti-Kentucky uh, propaganda, hats off to the Wildcats. I want to talk a little bit uh, about two other series. So Vanderbilt losing that series to Bama. We already talked about how Bohannon's been fired. Honestly, at the end of the day, this kind of felt like a series that Bama was going to win, like no matter what. Like it's just like when you lose your head coach, like I don't know. It's just I, I guess it kind of goes two directions. One is like they get swept and run rolls in every single game or you get that like extra little mode, bit, of, bit of motivation. And that's what happened for Bama. Yeah, this seems like the SEC uh, script writers got, got a little bit lazy. Like this one was like a lot of people could see this coming from like, as soon as this happened, they're like, Oh, well now they're going to win the series. Like for uh, like to, to build a team morale around, like around that, like we don't need that coach. Like he was betting against us. We don't need him. It, it seems like, it seems like something like that. Honestly, uh, I feel like one of the things that you always hear and I, I don't want to take it, any conversation about Alabama immediately to football, but it's easy to do. Nick Saban talks about how, his main job is always just putting a chip on his team's shoulder. Because like, if you're an Alabama football player, like you're often the favorite. And how do you put a chip on a team, a chip on someone's shoulder when you're always the favorite? Well, I don't know. Bammer wasn't the favorite in this, but this is, I would say, one of the easiest coaching jobs for a weekend of the last guy thought you were gonna lose. Like you know, like yeah. <laughs> the guy who was hired to coach you bet against you or helped bet against you. Like if that is not motivating, I mean. You probably shouldn't be a college athlete, <laughs> right? Last up in our no good uh, weekend for the top of the SEC, Florida traveling to AM. We'll get a little bit more into this too when we get to our pick 'em because you picked this one correctly. Uh, I want to extract one thing about this about Aggie baseball. Uh, I don't know if you. I, I haven't fact checked this. This is a uh, from Reddit statistic, but I, I, the people on Reddit, they're they're good folk on that college baseball subreddit. Sometimes, A and M has not had a starter get a win in thirty three straight games. That's really bad. Yeah, yeah, that's like <laughs> shocking. Like they, like that's not. They, that's like not even just SEC play like that's that that's that is like most of the season yeah and <laughs> starting yeah. pitching I mean uh, it's it's one of those things that I I struggle to understand because that ERA is not actually that bad but just like it, it, they aren't getting very deep it's probably mostly that like I think that's Schloss, Schloss is actually pretty aggressive when it comes to like if he doesn't in my opinion he doesn't if, if he sees something he doesn't like he he pulls a pitcher you know he doesn't let let them in there and struggle. We saw that with, with with Detmer, and we've even seen it with some of the let's say bullpen aces from A and M. As soon as Ashenbach got kind of a little bit a little bit fatigued over the weekend, he got the the hook. So uh, wild statistic, but despite that, A and M 
like Alabama, 11 and 13 in the SEC, totally in the thick of it for the postseason. Yeah, there are three SEC West teams that are tied at 11 and 13 that were definitely on the bubble. And and like we, we had put Alabama out because we thought they were going to get swept or lose this series to Vandy last weekend. And all three won their home series over ranked teams and jumped themselves into the conversation, like very much in the postseason conversation. Let's wrap it up there and head over to our rankings because there's a lot, a lot to unpack with the brand new college baseball top 50. Wake Forest, number one, LSU's dropped that series and they dropped to number two, followed by number three, Arkansas. In a in, in a in a weekend where favorites lost, Arkansas took care of business, swept Mississippi State on the road. Duke moves up to number four, Stanford five. The rest of the top 10 is Vanderbilt, Florida, Campbell, South Carolina, and Coastal Carolina. Moving into the top 25, Kentucky shoots up to number 20. Clemson hits the top 25 at number 24. And then the last three teams in the top 50 are all brand new. That's Oral Roberts, Texas State, and UC Irvine. What else stands out about the rankings to you, Kyle? There are a few teams that dropped in our mind uh, after some pretty bad weekends. Arizona State got swept by Stanford, and that's, you know, it's maybe not a bad weekend, losing to a team that's better than you, but that's, like, that's getting uh, home swept by a team. You can't get swept is rule number better. one. You can't <laughs> yeah. get home swept is, like, rule number 1A or whatever. <laughs> and two and three. <laughs> yeah. 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 Rules one through you five actually... really don't get swept at home. You can't get swept <laughs> at home. And also Fullerton uh, lost a series to TCU and TCU in the big 12 postseason picture continues to baffle me. We had, I think we had put TCU out. I don't know if this is going to be enough. Maybe we can get later, like later this week, we can get into that, but they yeah, need this. It. It's good. It's good. They, good they definitely need it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and this obviously was a non-conference series, so it doesn't affect Fullerton's chances of winning the big West, which is non, not a tournament bid. It is a, a regular season bid, which they're in line for. So that's good for them. But yeah, some other, I mean, Obviously, the SEC series that we've already touched on, they've all moved up a bunch. And yeah, I think it's interesting Wake that Forest, A&M, unanimous number one. Yeah, A and M, Bama, Auburn all moved up a good amount. None of them cracked the top twenty-five. It's tough because a lot of these teams, they just have like the three of them. They have a lot of losses between the, them, and it's really hard to you know rank at eleven and thirteen team in the SEC with twenty or sixteen or nineteen losses or what these three teams have. So. I keep winning. They'll move up at the end of the day. I don't think any of these teams care where they are in their rankings. I think they care where they are in the SEC standings because that's what's going to predict whether or not they actually make it into the NCAA tournament. For me, when we're doing these rankings, I I don't always look at the number of losses total because like a team like LSU has like double digit losses. They have 10 losses, but they're and that's I mean, that's not as many as anyone else behind them, but like it seems like just like even losing one game on a, on a weekend for the entire season will just it'll add up over time or like losing a random midweek here and there it adds up and so like I don't end up looking at the losses and then I saw AM had 20 losses yeah like, how how like this team feels in my mind better it feels better than a pitching, 20 loss team yeah. yeah and I think that's like a, that, that is a really interesting thing and I think it's one thing that I I want to take a look deeper into is how much do losses matter? And like, that's like maybe like a really naive kind of obviously silly question. But at the end of the day, it feels like us, like all the talking heads, all the pollsters talk like, you know, baseball is a sport of randomness. So yeah, if you win all of your weekends, that's a good thing. Like teams winning weekend series is what you want. 
but a sweep probably is worth more right than winning just two out of three and yeah if you sweep all your weekends that definitely feels better than just winning all of them two games to one so like how important is it to sweep how like what what does that mean in terms of how good a team is and i want to spend a little bit more time thinking about that as well as how how much do we care about midweek losses because we all know all of the things that midweek games entail maybe it's the lower ranked team throwing their best pitcher out because they need to steal a game maybe it's the head coach trying the weirdest lineup ever because you know he's trying to send a message to his slugger like hey you're gonna bat ninth because you haven't been taking your ab seriously or whatever like weird things or, or happen maybe your friday week. night guy needs a bullpen day <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and you, you've we've definitely seen that um so i'm curious uh off-season project perhaps will unpack how how much does losing impact your ability to win in the future? <laughs> I think that's the real question is how much do past losses impact or predict future wins? Like which is better, more predictive that or like, you know, like ERA or FIP or WOBA or batting average, or which which are more predictive of future wins. Um, but let's let's get to that in the postseason. Kyle, that's, I want to head yeah, over. Definitely an offseason thing. Offseason, offseason project for sure. I want to head over to our top uh, to our uh, pick em recap. So Kyle. Once again, you have bested me and I accue free fallen because this is the beginning of the end of my hot streak. Fortunately, I had quite a bit of cushion, so it's going to take some work for you to catch up. But unfortunately, I um, did really poorly. One and four for me, <laughs> Kyle, you you had a, a three and two weekend. Yeah, I had a three and two weekend. And then you also pick the series for me just for fun. Um, and you went one and four in those as well. Just, just like rub some salt in the wound, I guess. Yeah. Also, I'm uh, looking at the spreadsheet. You stole one of my wins from me. I'm 17, 17 games oh. above 500, not 16 games above 500. <laughs> All I did was just, uh, forget to add the win. Yep. My Our bad. math guy, not, not adding. <laughs> Something doesn't add up add. here, Kyle. <laughs> just the calculator does it for me. All right. But... Tell me about your five series. Yeah, so my five series wins I had, or my, my three series wins, I had A&M over Florida, or Stanford over Arizona State on the road, and then Houston at Wichita State. That one, that last one, they just didn't even play the third game. Houston, Houston commanding and... commanding American lead, right? Houston, are, are they going to be our regular season American champs? It seems like it, yeah. Getting the one seed in the tournament. Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know how that's going to line up, but Houston already beat Wichita State on the road this season. That's why I felt pretty confident making that pick. But Houston just uh, has the offense to, like, just enough offense to get this. They won both games by two runs, and that was enough to take the series. Yeah. Uh, and my other... East Carolina is just half a game behind. I think maybe I said commanding mm -hmm. lead. Half game doesn't feel so commanding at the end of the day. Well, when you when you take the series from, a, from another team that you were sharing the lead with, I think that's what it was. It kind of it, it does feel commanding. I have a soft spot for the American. I feel like when I became a fan, the American was one of the premier mid-major conferences. Obviously, it's still a really great conference. So I I feel like I'm personally rooting for a Houston or a Wichita State to win the American tournament, and then East Carolina to get the at large or yet to get an at large bid because I want I want more than one American team in the tournament. It does it does feel like we need it? Yeah, it's. 
It is kind of fun to have. It's been too long for Houston. Houston, I mean, 28 wins. Their RPI is not quite adding up. 76, that's not going to get it done. But, like, that's pretty close. Like, I I, I want I want Houston in the tournament. It'd be fun. I don't know if they're on Boyd's World spreadsheet, but we can check later. Uh, another one for me. Uh, so, two of mine. Washington State. I picked Washington State. And also A&M. They lost the first game a close game in the first game and then came back and won the next and and like got the other two. So Washington state took game one and that one in a close pitch game. Uh, Washington then came back and won the next two dominantly. And it was, it was a, a really emphatic series win for Washington. I, I was doubting them. I didn't think they were that good of a team on the road and they are, I think securing their postseason bid. They were, they were just above the bubble for us. Like they were, they were safely in. And I think this is this is another one of those like, road series wins are nice in conference. It's nice. And the other yeah. one I was talking about. Oh, go ahead. I think what's going to be really interesting, too, in my mind is a little bit of the pecking order for the Pac-12 tournament, because we saw the first ever Pac-12 tournament last year. This year, they've actually changed up the system a little bit. So they're doing a lot like the ACC tournament where they're doing well, not in terms of numbers. There's going to be nine teams that make the tournament and they're doing pool play and then bracket play that situation. Wow. So Washington is getting themselves in a position so that even if they slip up in the Pac-12 tournament and go 0 and 2 in pool play or 1 and 1 in pool play something like that like they'll they're they're starting to look I would say by no means solidly in but I would say uh I would tell my buddies in Iowa to put money on it. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> the other one uh, that I mentioned so I picked AM to beat Florida in the series. It was mostly a vibes pick. I, I felt like Florida, I mean, was the better team. They they probably still are. This is, it played in played in Gainesville. That Florida probably takes the series. Uh, but Florida won game one and AM came back and made that one close game. And they traded some runs there here and there. And AM made it dangerous in the ninth, but the SEC saves leader, uh, Brandon Neely, I think, uh, came in and shut down uh, a possible comeback attempt in that one. And then after losing Brett Minnick earlier in the week to a shoulder injury, AM came came out and uh, run ruled this Florida pitching staff that I thought was pretty solid. Chased Hurston Waldrop pretty early and scored out like run ruled them fifteen to two. That was a pretty great game. And then game three, that was a a, a balk off. Those are really fun. Classic, but... classic balk off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up for me, Stanford and Arizona State. That one was just a sweep by Stanford as the better team, but. The, these were, I mean, they just mashed each other. I feel like there was a bunch of home runs, and it was honestly your, six in your one game. analysis beforehand. I think was really accurate. You picked Stanford, mm-hmm. and you said, "I think these two are really good offenses, but I think Stanford has just enough pitching." And I think that sums up the series perfectly. Yeah, I think so. Good job, What's Kyle. Next? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so I picked T- uh, I picked Fullerton in the Cal State Fullerton TCU series. Uh, another one of those that the the series loser won a close game Friday night and then lost the next two TCU came out and scored 19 runs the next two game and shut them down neither team really had a dominant pitching performance it was just pretty good offense all around so credit to you getting back in the postseason picture that is your three and two week and I think what you unraveled right there for us is the fact that winning game one and our pick was the almost a kiss of death i think the winner of game one was three three and seven in series which is kind of shocking saying once you win a game (laughs) yeah because all five of my teams won game one and then (laughs) 
After that, they went a combined two and uh, eight. And unfortunately, those two wins were by the same team, uh, Clemson. Mm -hmm. So that means uh, my other four teams all then lost after having a one game to zero lead. So let's talk with my winners because Clemson swept Louisville. Uh, I want to talk about Clemson because I think that this is uh, we just put them last week in our bracketology and in uh, the 16 spot as a host, I think. We were ahead of the curve on this one. Feel pretty good about it. They might even be higher after sweeping. They're going to be climbing up the ACC standings. Uh, but I I want to say that almost, like, without a doubt, Louisville season is done after, like, they're not making the NCAA tournament. They wow. are on uh, such a skid, and I don't think that they have it in them. I, I, I don't think that they can win enough ACC games in order to make the NCAA tournament. Typically speaking, 500 teams don't make the NCAA tournament when it comes to the ACC and Louisville is six games below 500 with six games to play. Yikes. So even they get to 15 and 15, I don't know if they will make it. So two sweeps, honestly, if they swept back, like the, the committee cares a little bit about how I've done lately and they have back-to-back -back sweeps and their RPI would probably be in the thirties. And if they did okay in the ACC tournament, maybe they'd be fine. But I, I don't feel great about that, saying they have to go to Virginia. Anyways, Louisville Cardinals missing the tournament for the second time in the last three years, four years? They... Something like that. Uh, okay, let's talk about some of my losses. I picked Notre Dame, the home team, NC State. This is another bubble team in the ACC, but NC State got the job done, won that series. Huge for their prospects in terms of making the NCAA tournament. They're sitting at 10 and 13. We already saw them last year get left out despite having a super strong RPI, which again, they do have really good RPI this year, but they need to win ACC games. They did the job. And one of the most interesting non-power matchups of the week in Northeastern travel to UNCW. I liked what Northeastern brought to the table in terms of pitching. One game one, but UNCW, UNCW was too much for them in games two and three. And I think when it comes to bracketology, we're going to probably like we're going to might have two colonial teams back in our projection, which is kind of fun because it feels like UNCW is the favorites to win the conference. I picked Tennessee over Georgia. Obviously got that one wrong. LSU over Auburn got that one wrong. SEC let me down this weekend. I'm one and four. I'm done. Let's move on. Let's not talk about this week ever again, <laughs> Kyle. Uh, I might bring it up next week when you go five and zero. That's very kind of you. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with a little bit of trivia. Welcome back to the podcast. If you haven't already why don't you go give the podcast a rating or a review? It helps us get the word out and helps all of our uh, future adoring fans become present adoring fans. Kyle, you've put together something for me because you're a little bit, I, I, I we've said it a time or two in the podcast. You're a little bit of a nerd. You're a little bit of a stats a guy. Bit. You like the numbers. Uh, let's see if you can stump me with your fancy magic numbers. Fancy? All right, let's start with the home runs. Everyone likes the home run. Uh, chicks dig the dingers. Chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> there are currently seven teams in in college baseball with five or more players with double-digit home runs. 
Did that make sense? I can repeat it if it if you need me to. So let's let me let me say it back say it back to you so I don't get it wrong. So seven teams out there. That's easy. That have five guys who have hit at least ten home runs. So what you're saying is I'm looking for teams who have hit a, have not just a lot of home runs but a lot of players hitting those home runs. Yeah, exactly. How, how are we going to score this? I, I just <laughs> I get I get a point right for everyone and I have no penalty for listing wrong schools. <laughs> sure, that's fine. You need it after your bad week. All right, yeah. And then if you're listening at home, let's see how many you can name. I've I've stalled long enough maybe that you've started thinking about some of these teams with five or more players with double-digit home runs. I'm going to start off with Wake Forest. No, not in there. They oh. are. They have three players, and they have one with nine, so maybe they'll be close soon here. But All right. Yeah. How about how about the Campbell Camels? Nope, Campbell is at four players with five or more, or with with ten or more home runs. They're at two players with nine, so they'll be close. Maybe they'll be in there next, but no, nope, oh, you man. gotta think. You're in the you're in the right uh, part of the country. You could think some. Yeah, I mean, coastal Carolina coastal schools. Carolina, coastal Carolina is on my list. No, is co- oh my gosh, <laughs> you're uh, you're in the right part of the country. You got two Carolina schools. You want to pick from some of those? All right, I mean South Carolina. Yeah, there you go. All right, I'm on the board with one. Uh, are we gonna like eventually cut me off? Yeah, we can uh, cut you off after. So I, I've, I'm looking. So what I'm doing mentally right now is I'm thinking of scores that are teams that score a lot of runs because I think I, I've one that someone recently looked at like weighted on base and like runs per game. So that's why I, I'm just I'm I'm trying to think of it from the team perspective. So I mean LSU, LSU feels like a they have a good offense. Nope. nope. All right. Nope. <laughs> what about Florida Gulf Coast? Yes, Florida Gulf Coast has six. They have the most. All right. I knew they, they had like super high WOBA. They're like fifth in the country in WOBA. So I felt yeah. pretty pretty solid about that one. They definitely score a lot of runs. Uh, we can we can call it there, I think. All right. So how uh, many I get? Like two? <laughs> you got two. Uh, FGCU in South Carolina. So other teams, Tennessee. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Should have thought yeah, of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, I don't, I'm going to say that's that's a little impressive, saying how much home run power they lost off that team from a year they ago did. last year they were the leader in this stat so i looked at just including the regular season because you can get a lot more in the postseason but last year in the regular season they were the leader i think with nine players or eight players uh xavier has f- uh, five players with 10 or more home runs was never gonna and... get xavier. no ucf also that, that was a little bit surprising it feels like they're mm. they just have a lot of home runs but maybe they're lacking in the pitching department and the other For one that sure. surprised me oh well maryland is uh not surprising the other one that surprised me surprised me was duke duke is a team that we don't think of that has like we don't think of offense first for them we think of pitching no i think a very very deep pitching staff yeah all right a lot of home runs so that's two points to john five points to kyle i guess that's all (laughs) great yeah so last year this like in week 14 the end of the regular season there were uh, 12 teams like this is the same like similar like tennessee virginia Mar- or virginia tech maryland texas th- teams like that uh the ones that you'd expect next up we can do strikeouts so you got the home run you got the strikeout maybe i could do walks next but i think we'll just stick with this uh this is so like there the tr- are true outcomes players. trivia <laughs> yeah pretty much uh <laughs> There are eight players with minimum of 100 plate appearances with fewer than 10 strikeouts. How many teams can you name? The, like maybe it's, it's going to be really hard. I don't I don't know if you're going to get any of these. Maybe just one. So, okay. So 
eight guys out of the however many thousands of college baseball players there are thousands but i guess 100 plate appearances so these are like regular you know everyday guys so these aren't just like i'll tell you this there is not are just... 2700 out of 5300 on my on my list that have more than 100 plate appearances so 2700 so players only eight of them are at 10 or fewer strikeouts all right, so uh, I mean, we talked about him so much early in the year. Jacob Wilson is like my only, my only hope. I think for this one. There you go, you got it. All right, so Grand Canyon. Does Grand Canyon have two? Is there? Is there? Or is is he the lone one? He's the lone one. All right. Um, um, yeah, I don't know if you're gonna get any of these other ones. <laughs> yeah. So when I start thinking about, I mean, who are the best hitters in the country? A lot of the best hitters in the country are also in some of the best conferences in the country. So I don't think I could, you can do this at LSU or at Wake. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't think it's possible to do it in the. SEC. You're correct. There are no quote power power five teams in this or power five leagues. So I don't know. Then I start thinking about like <laughs> Nolan Chanuel from FAU, but even then, or like. Uh, like San Diego State maybe with like Cole Carrig, but I, I like oh Campbell maybe someone in Campbell could probably have a, a shot at this, but I don't know. I'm I'm just shooting in the dark right here. You were actually kind of close with Nolan Shaniel. He's got I think 14, maybe 12. So he's he's like pretty close to this threshold. But yeah, so uh, players with 10 or fewer strikeouts. It is Jacob Wilson is the fewest type of the fewest with five from Grand Canyon. And then Garrett Palladino from Alcorn, Sammy Diaz from UTSA, Christian Maggio from Queens with the new uh, D1 team. Charlie Kling, uh, Klingler. Do you know that name from Seton Hall? Nope. From mm-hmm. High Point. Uh, nope. Jonathan Luters from Seton Hall. Mike Boev from Omaha. Ben Jones from Dayton. So. I don't know if you would have gotten any of those, but you got Jacob Wilson, so that's that's a victory for you. All right, I think you're up by a lot now. <laughs> uh, give me the, give me the last category. The make it make it an easy one. <laughs> this this is an easy one. I think you'll get this one. Um, oh, now there's pressure. <laughs> <laughs> there are four pitchers with more than a, or a hundred or more strikeouts. Can you name them? Ooh, ooh, strikeout kings. All yes. right, this feels more doable. Uh, Paul Skeen. It's only four. Yep, number one. All right, got one. 139. Uh, wow, I knew it would be a big number. I didn't know it would be 139. He's got 22 more than the second place player. All right, I'm thinking Florida. So, uh, I mean, like Waldrop. Yep, he's uh, fourth in, in this list with 102. I don't know if Sprout is quite there. Uh, Sprout? He's not. Not All right. like in this that I ha- in this view that I have. Your, I think say, your alma mater, one of your alma maters. Yeah, Quinn Matthews is is on my my short. I was putting that in my back pocket because I felt like pretty confident ah. about. Is Quinn Matthews one? He's number two. Yeah, so he's got one of seven. I felt pretty good about Quinn Matthews. I, I wanted to save him because I wanted to list a bunch of wrong ones and then go back to him because uh, my gut. I mean, just thinking about like Wake, like Louder or Sean Sullivan. Nope. Nope. Uh, Wait, you were close with Wake. I mean, there there's a player on Wake, Josh Hartle, with 98. Uh, but that's that's the closest Wake player I can find. I don't know if this is one that you'll you'll be able to think of. It's a small school. Small school. Hmm. I give up. I don't want to waste our viewer listeners' times. Okay. It's uh, Nolan Santos from Bethune Cookman. 
in the swag. Yeah, I was never going to get that. I was no, never you, you going are. to get Bethune Cookman. <laughs> you were not. He's got Kyle uh, as a games master. You got to know when your your players are totally out of it. I I tried to tell you. He's got 103 strikeouts though. People should know. You got to know. That is pretty cool. It's not easy to strike guys out at any level. That is true. All right, so my takeaway from this game, I think, is I'm honestly surprised that there aren't more teams that have tons of guys hitting tons of home runs because it feels like that's what all we've talked about this year is that, like, oh, everyone's hitting home runs, right? It's, like, back to the gorilla ball. So the fact that we only have seven teams with these, like, you know, half their lineup is hitting double-digit home runs, it feels like that that number should be bigger. But we still have time, I guess. We still have time. And then I can't, I cannot fathom going through – 80% of a college baseball season and only striking out 10 times. And the eight guys have done that. Hats <laughs> off to them. Paul Skeens is superhuman. I think that's the way about the last one. <laughs> so last year, uh, week 14, like I was talking about before, there were 15 players with 100 or more strike uh, plate appearances that have 10 or fewer strikeouts. So 15, and I think I said, what did I say? Seven this time? So eight, just eight. Eight, yeah. So it's probably gonna be a, I mean, gonna be a way smaller number than last time. And then last year there were twenty-eight players with more a uh, hundred or more strikeouts compared to four this year. There's still time. There were a lot of players that were in the nineties, high nineties, but uh, that seems crazy. Thanks for listening to College Baseball Nation podcast. Check out our website, collegebaseball.info. Lots of great stuff up there, including our MLB top 50 players, the next MLB draft from the college ranks. Check out our socials at collegeballnat. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the midweek.